People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Hey, family. Welcome again to The Brothers Talk, the family room, the den, the kitchen, the barbershop, the backyard, the corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations. We appreciate you joining us. Always, we say to the first-timers, we look forward to you being with us each week so that you'll have some great conversations with those around you. All we ask is that you help us spread the word. So let's all be focused on critical thinking. And remember this holiday season to patronize as many Black businesses as you can. That's how we can relaunch Black Wall Street nationwide. And it's never been more necessary than it is right now, as not only did we know that we got the short end of the stimulus funding for businesses, But our businesses are still at a vulnerable time. So let's put our disposable income out there where we can do the most good. And remember, relaunching Black Wall Street is about what we can control in each of our own homes. And if we do our part, then we just got to believe that more Black businesses will be in better shape as we enter into 2022. And don't forget that next week is our 100th episode, God willing. And we're planning a very special conversation about the new normal spreading in the Black community. The bottom line is we're going to tackle the new accepted standard that it's okay to sell out and to sell your soul as long as you're getting paid for it. And you definitely won't want to miss it because we're sure you'll be talking about it throughout the holidays and well into the new year. So mark your calendars for next Friday, December the 17th. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. Hey, family, thank you for your support. And like every week, we're still talking about the pandemic and the now we got to deal with the, the with the new Omicron uh, virus. And people don't seem to be taking this serious. I mean, it, it, it's just shocking that we've lost so many people and still you can go to some places and no one, you're the only one with a mask on and it's like you're an alien. Uh, uh, I was looking at a program uh, on, uh, it was I think it was MSNBC, and they had this doctor on there from like uh, Indiana somewhere. And he said, look, we know how to beat this virus. We know how to do it. All we got to do is get vaccine, vaccinated and wear masks. But for some reason, people don't want to do that. It's been proven that wearing a mask and being vaccinated protects you from the virus. Norm? Thanks, Scott. And since you and Rod covered the virus, I just want to talk about Kwanzaa and the upcoming holidays for Black America. And remember, this is the biggest time for retail. So definitely reach out to our Black retailers and let's support them through this holiday season. Rod? So picking up on that topic, Scott, as we say, we look around us everywhere these days and you can see concerts on television. You can see audiences coming back together for these television programs. You see it even just out and about as you go around and see the malls. And it seems as though people have just given in to the idea 
that there's nothing more that can really be done about COVID-19 and they're just rolling the dice because everywhere you look, you've got more people, it seems, that are just not wearing masks. You know, if it's not like an absolute requirement, like you go to the airports or places that have the signage out that says clearly that you can't enter without a mask, then people have just basically seemed to have decided to roll the dice. And that really is troubling to me because I'm just not one of those who's just ready to just take those kinds of chances. And it's especially troubling for us as black people, because we're still the group that's being impacted the hardest by the virus. It, like I said, it, it's, uh, it's mind boggling. Uh, there's so, so things that are going on in this country right now. Uh, I don't know whether the coronavirus has had the, uh, the impact on people, their decision-making, but we got some things going on now in, in this country where it just appears that we're moving towards a dictatorship, not just because of the virus, but in general, people seem to feel like, look like democracy is not working for, for everybody. And so folks are uh, the majority, half of the majority population, seems like they're uh, willing to give uh, a dictatorship a chance. And I think that's a real, real, real problem. And it's a bigger problem for black people. I would say it's more about um, white supremacy and making sure that that remains a cornerstone of this country and the racism in regards to the dictatorship. Um, whites basically want to make sure that their interests are served no matter what the population shift may bring. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you there, Norm, because I think we all know that they're not looking for any black or brown dictators. That is only those who are of that lighter skin hue who are really trying to protect that which they feel entitled to because they know that they haven't earned it. And that's the part that is so fascinating to me is that you have people who refuse to look at their history because they know what their history is going to show. It's like when those people want to talk about the things that they believe will correct the situation. They want to say, well, let's leave it up to the families and let the families decide. Well, I'm reminded that it was the same families that were out there having lynch parties, that those were social events. And so why we are now at a place where they don't even want to acknowledge the sins of the past, because that's really what history will start to show them, is that they really don't have a leg to stand on because they know that it's all about the lack of accountability. And what it really is about is that they have been an ethnic group who has been more about stealing and taking credit for that which they did not earn. Without a doubt. I mean, to me, it, it really speaks to what you and Norm were talking about. It's, it's white supremacy, and they can only think of no other way this is the only way that they can think of to stay in power. And I think they're concerned about they've been so nasty and mistreated, in particular black folks, but minorities uh, for so long and continue to do it that they are fearful uh, of what's going to happen to them if they become a minority. Uh, I think that may have something to do with it. Uh, uh, a lot of it, I think, is just the fear, the, just the fear of not uh, um become the minority and then you also have a situation where people feel like they've been left out they, they you know uh ever since the uh stock market ever since the economy collapsed in 2008 around that time 
uh, there are a lot of people who still haven't recovered. Folks lost their homes, their businesses, uh, especially people in the Midwest and the Rust Belt. You know, you, they lost their businesses, their businesses and their homes. And a lot of the jobs got shipped overseas because of the labor costs. And those people still haven't recovered. And so they're pissed off. They need some, they want something to happen. And they don't think that what's happening now is working. Scott, you know, to many people, equality feels like oppression. And we have so many spoiled white people in this country that they're really afraid of the playing field becoming level. And ultimately, that's what we're discussing here. So what you have, though, is you have folks who are victims of the dumbing down of the country because they are now being taught by the narratives coming out of the media. So much so that they can't even see what's right in front of their faces. They cannot grasp the fact that, as you say, Scott, these folks who are still angry and hurt by whatever economic forces came to bear to create this two-tiered system is that it's that top tier. When you got Jeff Bezos building a $150 million yacht, when he lives on an entire block, when they keep having this monopoly money situation that there is no way for these average mediocre white folks to recognize that the problem isn't what the media is pointing to because the media being controlled by the Bezoses and the Gates and folks like that is continuing to make them think that the problem is illegal immigrant, is black people, is gay and lesbian and all the other divisionary points as opposed to recognize that a guy who has over a hundred billion dollars and they talk about Elon Musk being on his way to becoming the first trillionaire is that those three or four guys, whether it's Musk and Bezos and Gates and Warren Buffett have enough money to make sure that every person in this country could be raised to at least the middle class level. And that should be so obvious and so easy to see, except for the fact that the media continues to stir up the pot and make them believe that the real problem are black and brown people and any other divisions that keep them from getting together and seeing that the real actual problem is that top one and 2%. You're right. I just want to make one thing. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bezos, that yacht he got is $500 million. That's how much that yacht costs, $500 million. But, but uh, to, to your point, uh, what's happening here is you got a group of people, with, with probably with the exception of Elon Musk, who are saying, they're saying that we need to be taxed more. But for some reason, the folks who don't, they don't have the kind of money that, that Bezos and Musk and, and Gates and those guys have in Congress, they don't want to take they they're okay with these guys having a ridiculous amount of money because I guess they're thinking, you know, psychologically, one day that's gonna be them, which is not gonna happen. But I, I that's the only logic I can think of. Why is it that you don't want to tax these guys? You don't want them to pay their fair share. What is it? Well, we have many people in this country who really bought the trickle-down economy theory. And that's why people who literally don't have any money will support these tax cuts and will support the parties that put these tax cuts out there. 
because they really believe that these are the job creators and the movements and shakers of this country. And until, like Rod has mentioned, until the people really understand that these are the people that are really keeping everything down, we're, gonna, we're in a black hole. We're never going to come out of this thing. And see, you know, Scott, I've heard that same thing from like the Warren Buffett's talking about how little a bit of taxes he pay in relationship to his secretary and so forth. And as much as that sounds good when they say that, I ask this question as a follow up now and say, okay, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you guys have all this money that is available. Why don't you write a check? You, if you know that you believe you're not paying your fair share of taxes, then why do you continue to hire these accountants who continue to shield you from being able to pay your fair share? And I mean, even if you didn't necessarily say, well, okay, I don't want to come out and pay the 30% that's out there for everybody else. The effective tax rate for these guys is below 5%. And so what if they just said, well, you know what? We'll pay what we think is fair. We think 15% might be fair. But instead, you know, they make a point of trying to show that they are thinking of the country and of people when they say those things like, well, you know, we're willing to pay more. Well, what's stopping you? Right. I mean, I do get that, that it's like, hey, we're just playing by the rules that's being created. Right. We're just playing by the rules. So my point is, if, if they're billionaires like that and they're saying, hey, we want to pay more and not, well, why can't people in Congress do the right thing and make them pay more taxes, change the tax code? Because that's what it's all about, you know, change the tax code so they can't get around not paying any taxes. Uh, but these guys won't do that because of the fact that, like I said, I think they, they feel like they're going to have uh, a, an opportunity to be worth $200 billion also. One of the things that, that I see that's, that's part of it is that you already have oligarchs in place. You already have a tier system in place where you got the guys who are worth $200 billion and then $100 billion. The guys who are worth more than $100 billion, they don't even make lists. We don't even talk about them. We don't even know how many people out there are worth $50 billion or, or, or $20 billion. That kind of like like the guy that uh what's his name the owner for the Clippers you know this guy uh, net worth went to forty billion dollars doing doing um the whole pandemic uh, for doing nothing you know he he's he's basically retired he's retired but he got stock in Microsoft and so his fortune reaches over forty billion dollars and all of that to me you already got that kind of structure in place, like I said, with the oligarch. And if you take a look at it, that's basically who the Republicans, who they kind of worship. Uh, everything that they do is to benefit the super rich. Every every policy that they pass, every law that every every policy they pay, every law that they pass, everything that they do is directed at how do we get these people to make more money and to keep more money. Uh, that's what it seems like to me. That's what's going on. So the structure is already in place. You know, and the, the funny part about it is, is having a democracy with open capitalism, eventually your system itself will be a commodity and will be bought and sold. And the rich have bought this system. Welcome to America. And so if there's anything that we hope that people will take out of our conversation today, it's two pieces of information that are just at the root of your most basic civics classes where you have people sitting around allowing the politicians to tell them to think about things like the budget. 
And they tell them things like, well, you know, you can't spend more than you take in. Because if you were at your kitchen table and doing your budget, you knew that you could not spend more than what you take in. Well, that is the biggest bunch of horse manure simply because the one thing that no person sitting at their kitchen table can do is they can't print money, which the government can do. So there's never really any threat to the government going broke. And the second thing that they really need to keep an account of is that for every Steve Ballmer, who is the owner of the Clippers, as you said, he was the former president of Microsoft. And when he retired, he bought the Los Angeles Clippers team for, he basically bid for them, paid an absurd amount. I think it's like between 3.5 and $4 billion. And so the fact is that the federal government, though, does actually control the amount of money in circulation. And so every time one of these guys becomes another billionaire, that money comes out of the circulation for somebody else who's at the other end of the spectrum, which is why we're trying to really say that more needs to be, attention needs to be paid to the number of millionaires and billionaires who are simply not pulling their fair share of the freight because they use more services than the average person does. And yet the average person pays a higher percentage of their income. We have to get ourselves into a place where we can really see that that is the biggest double standard that exists in this country, that you have people who don't understand both of those ideal concepts. That one, you don't think of the budget in terms of your coffee table because you cannot print money. And two, every dollar that moves to the rich is dollars that are moved away from the rest. So that's our take on it. Once again, as we said, we look forward to our big show, our 100th episode next week. We look forward to you being with us. And so in our Black Professional Experience of the Week, we want to highlight Tarika Smith, who is now the founder and CEO of Cache Real Estate and Salt Capital Equity Group, who used to dream of having her own home when she was homeless and living on the streets years ago. Now she's making other homeless families' dreams come true as she heads the Madeline Cove Project, a housing development that would offer affordable homes in the community in Louisiana. As a child, Smith was in foster care until she aged out of the system when she turned 16. She had to live on the streets of New Orleans and at one time lived under an overpass with her son. When Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans, she was displaced to Lafayette. Frustrated with her homelessness, she decided to attend a real estate school. And her dream project now is the Madeline Cole Project, which is expected to alleviate the lack of housings in New Orleans' north side. It's a $14 million development that will provide 30 affordable homes, 60 townhomes, 50-unit senior complex, and a retail building that will feature up to five spaces for a light retail, a coffee shop, and maybe even a grocery store. So kudos to Terrica Smith for showing that with the right perseverance and with the right commitment that not only can you make it, but you don't forget where you came from. So we want to give a shout out to her. Thanks again to all of you for listening. And remember to join and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, The Brothers Talk. 
And if you want to share in long form with us and feedback, suggestions, questions, or show ideas, hit us up at the email, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. So that's a wrap for another episode. As always, we appreciate your time and interest. And remember, we'll never take it or you for granted. So until the next time, let's do better today because that's all we really have.